Thank you, Sarah, choir and orchestra. Today we celebrate Father's Day, but you and I know that fathers have fallen on hard times in recent years in our society. There was an article in The American Psychologist written by Louis Silverstein and Carl Auerbach saying that fathers are unnecessary to the well-being of a child. They wrote, we do not believe that the data support the conclusion that fathers are essential to a child's well-being. They go on in their report to say that heterosexual parents are not necessary to the well-being of a child either. The thing I find interesting is that their study was based on the studying of the behavior of non-human primates. I don't know that that makes any difference, but that was the basis of their study. USA Today had an article that said, religious men, especially evangelical Protestants, are more involved and attentive husbands and fathers than men who are not religious, new research shows. Today I want to speak to you about a Christian father. Take your Bibles, turn with me to Ephesians chapter 6, and we'll begin reading in verse number 1. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, that it may be well with you and that you may live long on the earth. And fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Now Paul begins as he is addressing Christian fathers by saying that Christian fathers are to encourage their children. Now you'll see there in verse 4, and fathers do not provoke your children to anger. There is a positive twist to a negative instruction. Do not provoke or encourage your children. Could be that some historic background will help us understand a little bit as to what he was saying because in the first century, the father was the ruler. Wives and children were considered to be the property of the man. When a child was born, the child was brought and laid at the feet of the father. And if the father picked up the child, then the child went home and became a part of the family. If he did not, then the child was left to die or was sold at an auction. Paul says that is not the characteristic of a Christian father. Christian fathers are to be encouragers of their children. Now, how do we do that? How can you and I encourage our children? Let me make several suggestions to you. The first being, be authentic, be real, be genuine, because children know when we are not. There was a pastor doing a children's sermon. He brought an artificial branch with a dogwood flowers on it, and he was talking about the dogwood flower. So he asked the children, he said, who can tell me what this flower is? And so they guessed various flowers, and then finally one little boy said, I don't know what the flower is, but I know it's fake. Children know when something is fake. And so men, I would say to you, fathers, I would say to you, be authentic. You know, sometimes we think that we are supposed to have all the answers 
to the questions and we pretend that we do and yet they know that we don't. When my children were little, I told them as a father, I said, I don't know what I'm doing. I really didn't. I said, you don't know what you're doing either. We're just going to have to work through this together. See, you've never been a child before. I've never been a father before. We're just going to have to figure this out together. And that's what we did. I, and I think that that is the best thing to do, be honest about things. If you don't know, you don't know. We think sometimes that as fathers and as men, we are supposed to be perfect and our children won't like us if we are not perfect. You don't have to be perfect to be a good father. When my children were little, of course, I had gone back to school because God had called me into ministry. And I, I had these children. I was scared to death. And I know that many of you young parents are as well because everyone tells you you're messing up the kids. You know, everything you read, everybody you talk to, whatever it is that you're doing, it's the wrong thing to be doing. Well, I had a psychology professor that I particularly liked, Dr. Jeske, and I was talking to him and I said, you know, I don't know what I'm doing. I think that I'm probably messing these kids up. And I never forgot because it was such a comfort to me. He said, Wendell, it isn't that hard. You don't have to be perfect to be a good father. You don't have to have all the answers to all the questions that come to be a good father. So be authentic. I think that's one of the first things that you need to do with your children is to be real. Be authentic. Be genuine before them. The second thing is to be attentive to them. Now, let me put a little caveat here. You be attentive to your children, but don't let them interrupt your conversation with others because you're giving them a false idea as to their importance. Now, having said that, be attentive to them because that allows us to model. When we are attentive to our children, then we can model the behavior that is right before them. When we are attentive to them, it allows us to teach them. If you're attentive, for instance, when they are fearful, they're facing some situation that is fearful to them, that gives you the opportunity to teach them that God is looking over them. Casting all your fear upon him for he cares for you. But that gives you an opportunity to teach when you're sensitive and attentive to the need of your child. When they're involved in activities, it gives you an opportunity to teach them about fair play and the proper importance of winning. So let me say to you fathers, first of all, be authentic, be attentive, be affirmative. Dr. Paul Turnier was a counselor in Geneva, Switzerland, and counselors would go to see him and ask him about his techniques. He said, it is a little embarrassing for students to come over to study my techniques, for they always go away disappointed. All I do is accept people. That's pretty good advice. All I do is accept people. Did you know that your children need to know that you accept them? So affirm your child. When they do something that's good, affirm them for it. When you see some characteristic displayed by them, affirm them for it. Affirm your child and trust your child. My children have told me, as they became adults, the greatest pressure I ever put on them was to trust them. But I really believe the best about them. 
to trust them. I know it's risky, but trust your child to make decisions, to make mistakes, and allow them to suffer the consequence of the mistake they make, and then you can affirm them. I was talking with uh, Dr. Fincher once. I suppose he's here somewhere. He was the dean of the School of Pharmacy at the university. And I was talking about some of the problems that so many of the students have when they come to school, as far as alcohol and drugs is concerned and so forth. And he said, I, I believe that one of the primary reasons for that is that we are having college students coming to school today who have never had to deal with failure because their parents always bailed them out. When they get here, they're away from their parents and for the first time in their life, they are having to deal with their failure and they don't know how to deal with it. Be affirmative, trust your child, allow them to make decisions and suffer the consequences of the decisions that are bad when they are inconsequential because later their failures will be consequential. Then I would say be affectionate. In so many homes there is no display of affection. Understand that, that affection affects the child. Be affectionate to the child. It doesn't, it doesn't hurt to, do you know to this day my, my son still kisses me? Be affectionate to the child. And, and the reason for that, that it's important, is because when the child grows up with the father's affection, it gives them security about who they are. They feel good about who they are. But it also affects the parent. Rollo May said, in essence, that you, you get what you give. And if you give affection to a child, then the child gives you affection back. And isn't that what you want? I mean, you want your child to be affectionate to you. Well, then you give affection to them. Something else I would say is be available. There are a lot of young, young people who are bitter today because their parents were not available to them. Be, be available to their interests. What, what are your children interested in? Sports? Be available to that. We just had the arts camp here at the church, manners camp. Whatever there, maybe it's drama, maybe it's the science club, whatever it is, be available to the things that they are interested in. Be available to discuss the fears that they have. And I can assure you, they have a lot of fears. There's a lot of uncertainties that they face, questions to which they have no answers. And if you have the right relationship with them, then they can discuss that with you. But understand this, if you're not available to their questions, there's going to come a time when they won't ask them of you. Be available to the questions that they ask you. Be aspiring. Ha have worthy aspirations and goals for your children. Their career. Do you challenge them as what their career choice will be? I give my mother credit in that I still remember as a boy, she always told me, Wendell, you can be anything you want to be. And she believed that. After a while, I began to believe that as well. But see, affirm them and, and, and believe in them. Be aspiring in, in their choices concerning career, concerning marriage. What about when they get married? 
Are you encouraging them that they really need to marry a Christian? Shoot, I'd throw in a Baptist. There are some Baptists that are Christian. But I really, I see, I, I really think that whenever they are thinking about these things, you know, I'm going to get married, they need to understand. Here, here's, here's a discovery that I, that I think that I have made or something I've come to just recently is that oftentimes the thing that attracts us does not line up with the things we value. Our attraction to someone is not necessarily our value. Now, we are attracted by some things, but we live with our values. And when you get married, it is going to be important that you marry someone who shares your values. Spiritually, challenge them concerning their spiritual commitment. So fathers, encourage your children. The next thing I would say is fathers have the responsibility to discipline their children. Now, discipline varies as far as the method is concerned because our children vary. They are not the same. Steph and Eric were very different, and therefore their discipline was different. Steph received far more physical correction because she was hard-headed. <laughs> she was the most stubborn little person I have ever seen. Now, I'll not go into that a lot, but she was very hard-headed. Now, I felt like that was a double-edged sword. Here's what I believed. I, I believed, this was my fear, if she went the wrong way, I could never get her back. If she went the right way, no one could lead her astray. But I'm reminded of what Grady Wilson said when I think of Stephanie. He said, Mother had an old razor strap which hung on a nail in the kitchen under a sign that said, I need thee every hour. <laughs> Chuck Swindoll wrote, Only spank on the spanking place. I know that some of you are, have already tuned me out when I'm talking about spanking. It doesn't make any difference to me. My kids are raised. Swindoll went on, spanking is to teach the child the consequences of their actions. Right is rewarded and wrong brings hurt. There are some children that do best with physical correction. There are others that do best with verbal correction. And that was Eric. Stephanie was physical. That's what she demanded. I didn't want to do it. That's what she demanded. Eric, on the other hand, would respond to verbal correction. Now, you know, verbal correction basically comes down to four words. Because I said so. <laughs> I know when you tell your child something and they ask the question why, you think that's a question. It is not a question. It is an invitation to a fight. Because if it were a question, occasionally when you gave the answer, they'd say, well, you know, I didn't think about that. Do they ever do that? Absolutely not. So when they ask you why, it's not a question. It is an invitation to fight. So when they say, why do I have to go to bed at 8 o'clock? Because I said so. Why can't I go? All the other kids are going, because I said so. 
That is basically the verbal correction that we give. So our methods vary, and the severity is determined by the incident. The punishment must fit the crime. Folks, when there is a minor infraction, don't make a major deal out of it. What are you going to do when there's a major infraction? And I see that all the time. I, I see something, I think, my oh, goodness, that's, that's no big deal. You know, they all they need is five or six years. They're going to grow out of that, whatever it is. It's just a minor deal. So don't make a big deal out of it. But when it is major, then the discipline must reflect the seriousness of the transgression. So the severity of discipline is determined by the incident. It's not always the same. The purpose of discipline, and you need to understand the purpose of it, it is not to make your child perfect. If you think you're going to make your child perfect, that is abuse because they're not going to be perfect. And they will grow up resenting if you try to make them perfect. Discipline is not punitive. There's a difference between discipline and punishment. Discipline helps the child. Punishment hurts the child. The child who receives punishment rather than discipline becomes revengeful. The fathers, it is your responsibility to discipline your children. And then fathers are to instruct their children. Let me give you a few examples here or a few suggestions here about instructing your children. First of all, exhibit a godly example. Someone said a son will do what his father says until he is 14 and then he does what his father does. The best instruction comes from example. For instance, dads, what about your human relationships, your relationships with other people? Because your child is learning from you. Let me ask you, how do you treat your wife? And, and the reason that I would ask is because your son is watching you so that he learns how to treat his wife. And your daughter is watching you because she is learning what to expect from her husband. So how do you treat your wife? How do you treat the people at work? How do you treat the people at school with you? How do you treat other people? What about your spiritual relationship? Your relationship with God? Because you see... If your relationship to God is important to you, it probably will be to your child. But if your relationship to God is put on the shelf for everything else that comes along and everything else takes priority over your relationship to God, then that is what your child is learning because that is what you're teaching. If you're going to instruct your child, exhibit a godly example, let them see in you the way that it's supposed to be. Don't just tell them. Let them see it in you, in the way that you treat people and the way you respond to God. Expel ungodly enemies. What TV programs do they watch? Because there's a lot of television programs that are contrary to the values you are trying to teach your children. There's a lot of things that they are watching that are contrary to what you say that you want your children to know. 
So what are they watching? What about the music that they listen to? You ever listen to it? I would dare you to go home and listen to some of the music that your children, that your teenagers are listening to. Because there's an awful lot of it today. I understand I can't stand to listen to it and I can't understand what they're saying anyway. But I, whenever I read about it, I understand that a lot of it is about drug abuse, promiscuity, suicide. Do you not think that matters when you put that in your mind? Be careful with what you put in your mind. What about the movies? Much of what we say we oppose is glamorized on the big screen. What movies are they going to? What about their friends? Are they people that you would want your child to have as a friend? I saw, I don't know if this fits or not, but I liked it, so I'm going to tell it anyway. I, I was, uh, Linda and I were at a restaurant the other day. There was some guy in there. He had a T-shirt on. I don't know where he got it. I'd love to have it. But it said on there, guns do not kill people. Fathers with pretty daughters do. <laughs> and then explain the rationale for your instruction. It is right. Look at verse 1. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Now, young people, did you see that? For this is right. I don't think he said it was popular, did he? See, if you want it to be popular, that's not what the Bible says. It, he didn't say that it's popular. He didn't say even that it is pleasant. He said, obey your parents because it's right. It is right. He goes on to say it is commanded in verse number 2. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment, with a promise. God has commanded obedience from a child. In Exodus chapter 20, verse number 12, Honor your father and your mother that your days may be prolonged in the land which the Lord your God gives you. Okay, so he says concerning obedience of a child to the parent, he says that it is commanded and it is right and it is blessed. Look at verse number 3. That it may be well with you and that you may live long on the earth. My mother believed that because if I didn't do what she said, I thought she was going to kill me. That you may live long on the earth. Explain the rationale for what you're doing. It, that doesn't hurt. Explain the rationale. And then exercise joy. Let me ask you a question. Do your kids see joy in you in your life, in your personal life? Are you a joyous person? You know, it seems to me that most people are just not very joyous. I mean, are you, are you a joyous person to be around? I mean, could be the reason that kids don't enjoy being around. Are you a joyous person to be around? What about in your family relationships? Is your family a place of joy? Is it a place of love and laughter? I want, you, I, I want you to think, I want you to ask yourself the question, it, am I a joyous person to be around? Is my family life, is it joyful? 
Well, what about your Christian commitment? Are you joyful in your relationship to Jesus? If your Christian life is all gloom and doom and don'ts, the chances are that your children will not be attracted to that. Nor do I believe it to be scriptural. Jesus, in fact, I was praying earlier today, and the Lord said, I have come that you might have life and that you might have it abundantly. I said, God, thank you. Because he's given me an abundant life like I never dreamed. I could never have imagined. What about your relationship to the Lord? Is it joyous? Now let me conclude. Your children might not presently appreciate what you're trying to do for them. That's understandable. They may not appreciate it. There was a little boy who had been acting up and so it was dinner time and as discipline for him, they wouldn't let him sit. The parents wouldn't let him sit at the table. So he had to have a little table over by himself while the family sat at the table. But they called on him to return thanks. And he said, Lord, thank you for preparing a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Another little boy was saying his prayers at night and he said, God, please don't give my parents any more children. They don't know how to treat the ones they have. <laughs> but regardless of their response, we have our responsibilities. And as we bring them up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord and his word, then God will bless them and he'll bless us. Steve Farrar wrote the book, Standing Tall. And he wrote, a godly father is the unseen spiritual submarine who lurks below the surface of every activity of his child's life. A man who has put on the full armor of God and with that armor goes to warfare on his knees for his children is a force to be reckoned with. We cannot be with our children 24 hours a day. Through our prayers, we have the ability to affect situations even when we are not physically present. You may be undetected. That does not mean you are ineffective. My father and Linda's parents are buried next to each other in a small cemetery in Texas. This next week we're going to go there my brother and my sister will come and we will take a moment to thank God for the contribution they made to our lives. God, give us Christian fathers, men of God. Father and God, I pray that you'll speak to our hearts because our world is falling apart because we have fallen apart. Give us Christian fathers, Christian husbands. And Lord, I pray today that your Holy Spirit will speak to these men, especially to these families, to these individuals. 
For those who have never trusted Christ, I would ask that they do. Draw them to yourself. I pray, Father, that you'll speak to our hearts that we might be more committed to you in Jesus' name. Amen. In just a moment, we're going to stand. The choir's going to sing a hymn of invitation. If you're here without Christ, I encourage you to commit your life to it. If you're looking for a church home, our doors are open. It's important to be a part of a church. Stand with me, please. As we stand, they sing, you come. I'll greet you as you do.